Over the last couple of weeks, a saint that keeps coming to mind when I'm spending time in prayer and reflecting on the scriptures, the readings for each day, and starting to just meditate on what I should be preaching about, the saint that keeps coming to my mind is St. Maximilian Kolbe. And for those of you who don't know much about him, he was a Franciscan saint who lived at the uh, end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th century. Uh, He uh, started a big movement called the Militia Immaculata, uh, sent out a uh, very inexpensive newsletter to people all over the place, encouraging devotion and pious practices, especially devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And what has made him so very well known is eventually he was sent to Auschwitz uh, in the 1940s, that uh, infamous concentration camp of the Nazis. And in the midst of his time there, one of the prisoners escaped. And the way that the Nazis tended to deal with that was in place of the one who escaped, they would put many to death. So I think it was 10 were supposed to be put to death in place of the one who escaped. And as they were picking out prisoners to die in this man's place in a starvation bunker, one of the last ones that they chose uh, to go into the starvation bunker was a father of, I forget how many children, but a father nonetheless. And St. Maximilian Kolbe stood up and asked to take this young father's place in the starvation bunker, to die um, in his place. And in a unusual act of mercy, uh, the Nazis went along with it and allowed St. Maximilian Kolbe to step into this man's place. man stepped aside. St. Maximilian Kolbe went into the starvation bunker with several others and led them in prayer in the midst of this time in the starvation bunker. And while some of the others did end up dying of starvation, St. Maximilian Kolbe did not. Eventually, they gave him a lethal injection to kill him. But even in the midst of the darkness of a concentration camp, even in the midst of the, you know, sight, I would say like despairing, inflicting starvation bunker, what did St. Maximilian Kolbe continue to do? He continued to give glory and praise to God forever. He continued to witness to the truth of the saving love of Jesus Christ, of the glorious intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, even in one of the darkest times and the darkest places in human history. He showed that that love is possible regardless of the surroundings. And you think about what a great example for all of us. I was blessed to uh, grow up learning a lot about St. Maximilian Kolbe. I saw a play about him when I was in grade school, read books about him, and have always looked to him as an intercessor. And I think at this particular time, it's very good for us to ask for his intercession to stay focused on the truth, right? Because regardless of whatever the circumstances are around us, we need to always recognize that God should be praised. That the truth of the matter is that he loves us so much that as we hear on the lips of Jesus Christ himself in the gospel today, that he didn't just come on his own, but the Father sent him. That Jesus Christ, the Word incarnate, is in our midst and doesn't go away. And regardless of whatever the circumstances may be, 
we need to proclaim that truth. Now, as I say, I've been thinking a lot about Maximilian Kolbe. I don't mean to compare our current situation to the you know, Nazi-occupied much of Europe you know, in the Second World War. Let's be honest. I mean, this is a unique time. It's very strange. It's not World War II. I mean, most of us are confined to our homes. They're not exactly starvation bunkers, right? And I'll say, too, yesterday, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, offered Mass for the homeless and said that at this time when so many of us are confined to our homes, we must remember those who don't have homes to go to. So I think, too, we have to focus on the fact that, okay, yes, are things different? Absolutely they are. Is it strange? You bet. But it's not exactly a Nazi concentration camp. It's not Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians from the first reading. We're not being bound up and thrown into the fire. But when you think about the example of St. Maximilian Kolbe, when you think about the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, by the way, just as an aside, for those of you in a virtual classroom today, try to spell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just try to pronounce them correctly. It's not an easy task, but go for it anyway. And frankly, too, if you need some more uh, reading time, time in prayer, read the whole of this account. It's from the third chapter of the book of the prophet Daniel. We just got a small selection today, but this whole dramatic scene is so impressive. In fact, uh, there's a part that was uh, edited out from the reading today in which you know, King Nebuchadnezzar in his rage you know, utter, or orders that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be tied up by the strongest people in his army and thrown into the white-hot furnace, you know, heated seven times greater than normal. And some of the ones who threw them in were burned up and died themselves because the fire was so hot. But what happened to the three who were thrown into the fire? They walked around unsinged, and even here, if you keep reading, that when they came out, they didn't even smell like fire. This glorious aspect of the truth of God in the midst of whatever the circumstances may be, they stayed faithful to that. Of course, if you can compare that to Maximilian Kolbe, he did eventually die, correct? But we know he is a canonized saint. He's in heaven. That ultimately our goal in this life is not just to continue to survive. It's our salvation, our union with God. And we have to cling to that regardless of the circumstances. I just want to say in comparison with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in comparison with St. Maximilian Kolbe, remember what we're coming up on. A week from right now, we're going to be one day out from the Holy Triduum. We'll be entering into Holy Thursday and Good Friday. We'll enter into the Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday. And yes, very unique this year, but we'll be remembering what? That Jesus Christ, after laying down his life for us on the cross, dying for us, rose from the dead. And then all of a sudden, in a week and a half, we'll be in the Easter season. All those things you gave up for Lent, you can dive back into again. I would say in the midst of that circumstance, when all of a sudden what we gave up for Lent is available to us again, I'll tell you the truth. I'm looking forward to being able to drink beer again, right? I drank some a week ago today on the Solemnity of the Annunciation because we had to celebrate. It's the day that we celebrate the Incarnation. And it was wonderful, and I was happy to have some beer. It was great. And you know what? On Easter Sunday, I'm going to have some again. Probably have some again on Easter Monday. But remember, the way that we thank God for the gifts in our life, like beer, is by not drinking too much of it. 
The way that we thank him for the gift of the Reese's peanut butter eggs is by not eating so many that we feel like garbage after it all, right? Regardless of the circumstances, we need to proclaim the glory of God. And even when things are difficult and tough, like St. Maximilian Kolbe, like the three children thrown into the fire today, we need to proclaim his glory. But also, when things are going well, when we're at home, when we can have the things that we gave up again, we have to cling to the truth that Jesus Christ is in our midst. We can't fall into what I like to call the Easter hangover of all of a sudden going back to normal life when we can have what we gave up again and forgetting about how good it is when we cling to Him. We forget about how good it is when we focus on our prayer. We forget about how good it is when we look at fasting and almsgiving and seeing the needs of others. That basically in our life, what we're called to is regardless of whatever the circumstances may be, the truth of the matter is, is that God has become one of us. Jesus Christ in our midst, giving us himself fully, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Giving us his mercy in the confessional. Giving us his healing grace in the sacrament of anointing of the sick. That those remain regardless. That even if things are incredibly difficult and we don't know what's coming next, if we're being persecuted, that we give him glory and praise. That if all of a sudden, you know, we're done with the big penitential season and we're rejoicing, that we give him glory and praise. That we don't fall away from him regardless of what the circumstances may be. My brothers and sisters in Christ, he is in our midst. The important thing for us, and I think the ultimate key to happiness, is that day by day, we stay focused on that fact. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's shown us the full extent of his love for us by dying on the cross, from, by rising from the dead, by staying in our midst in the Blessed Sacrament regardless of the circumstances. We know from the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, especially we know from the example of saints like Maximilian Kolbe, that even in the midst of the darkness, we can continue to give him glory and praise. Let's make sure that in our own darkness or in our own celebration and joy, we continue to give him glory and praise. Because my brothers and sisters in Christ, there's nothing better than that. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.